0: Hello and welcome to the Grassroots Podcast. to the Grassroots Podcast with uh, your host Joe Gomez and today on the podcast we have uh, Sharks professional rugby player, Keen Mead, and 200 plus points in 2019. How are
1: you mate? Good man, how are you? You're doing well. Good.
0: Yeah, I'm doing well. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast.
1: No man, it's a pleasure. It's a, it's, I think it's a good, good time to speak and I mean if we can get some info out to some of the younger
0: guys it'll be amazing. Oh, yeah, That'll be good. Right, so, so we get out of the way. If you want to talk about South Africa versus England, 2019 World Cup, get out of the way Oof. before you rub it in.
1: So, I wouldn't like to rub anything in. I think, oh, obviously, right. South Africa was a better, a better team on the day. I think yeah. um, they planned out well and I think their homework, they did that quite well. So, um, yeah, I don't have a lot to say. It was a brilliant game. I mean, obviously, England not performing on the best of the day, yeah. but, I mean... It happens, me yeah. as well, even our team last
0: year. But um, yeah, I think it was a good game.
1: Great good final. Yes,
0: yeah, so I just had to get out of the way just in case I had any 32 12 jokes. <laughs> no, man, no. All right. uh, so, firstly, you are a professional player for the Sharks and you signed in 2019? Uh, I did. So, obviously,
1: in, I know in a bunch of different countries it works quite different. So, in yeah. South Africa, you. You start off with your school rugby, and it goes on, and um, then when you get to your matric year, or your grade eleven year, which is your second to last year um, of school, then usually the the um, the guys will come. They'll come, start and talk to you. Like let's for say, for example, the Sharks came to me when I was already in grade eleven. They came and had a chat. Um, said they're quite interested in me. Um, they would like. Obviously, you need to come to the Sharks and stuff. So, they don't offer you your full contract in grade 11 already. Um, But they do brief you quite like what's the package on the package. So, they tell you where you're going to be staying, Um, like the facilities and stuff. They tell you a lot more. So, um, they basically just brief you on their interest um, on you as a player. So... That happens in grade 11, grade 10, and then um, you only sign when you're 18, obviously, because I think that's a legal age legal you're yeah. allowed to sign it.
0: Yeah, sounds, sounds amazing, mate. Obviously, I would really, really want to be a uh, freshman web player. So, have you got <laughs> any advice to anyone, uh, any up-and-coming aspiring freshman web players?
1: So, obviously, as a guy that's been through the ranks now, and uh, obviously I started off as a as a youngster, it's it's never easy to, to look up at the big guys and try and figure out a plan like that you're going to follow to try and get you to the top. But obviously, as a rugby player, there's a lot of basics. I mean, the kicking, the passing. Uh, personally, with with my experiences with SA Rugby, they really, really focus on your key skills, your, yeah. your basics. They focus on your passing. They rate you as a player, not on the flair that you have or the yeah. cool moves that you do. They rate you on how strong is your pass, how accurate is your pass, how quick are you, how quick are you from start, like how explosive. They test all the the basics. So um, I think a big thing out there is obviously guys watching rugby and everything, they they think that the flair and the sick moves and they yeah. think maybe like that's where the, what the scouts are looking for, where it's really yeah. not. It's all about... Um, all about the key skills and the basics. So I think, as a youngster, trying to perfect your your skills will definitely yeah. put you far ahead of the rest. Because I there know um, there's a lot of guys at the moment just trying stuff. I, obviously, I know touch rugby has yeah. a big influence on on the big rugby, the 15 man rugby. Yeah, like the skills and the stepping. But I think just working working on your basics as a as a youngster,
0: trying to perfect that will definitely put you far ahead. Yeah. So, are you using this lockdown to improve your uh, key skills? So, so for obviously lockdown is difficult for all of us. Yeah. I know Even
1: South Africa, it's a bit different um, than maybe it'll be in the UK. But lockdown, I, I see lockdown as a as a great opportunity to improve on your skills. Yeah. Um. Still, not everyone has the resources. Not everyone has fifty meters of field to yeah. to work with. But. It's, I think it's just about trying to do as much as possible. So, trying to find what well, if you have a ball, go out. If, even if, if your target is a tree. I mean, yeah, it sounds I real stupid it's right now, but, but it's, 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 it's realistic at the moment. And I think if you can go out and practice all your basics while you can now, when the season comes back, um, I think you'll be polished. So, there's a lot of stuff that, that, that I'm trying to do at the moment that uh, can, can improve my uh, basics.
0: Yeah, sounds great, mate. So, are you practicing your dummies? Because I've seen a few videos of you dummying a few people.
1: <laughs> no, 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 not really. I think that's that's something that comes by time, I think, comes with time and stuff. So, it's not necessarily something that I practice, but um, yeah, every now and again, I get the cheeky dummy
0: up. Yeah. <laughs> and there's some outrageous offloads. Uh, the one where you're on the floor and you flick it up. Have you practiced that all at the shops or...?
1: No, I don't think there's any, any, any of those skills that really... Obviously, there's a, there are certain aspects of the game that you kind of practice that's more obviously going towards uh, the cheeky side of, of rugby, but <laughs> not necessarily that. I think that just comes with time yeah. and um, I space.
0: Yeah, right, right. So if you could, uh, if you could base uh, your rugby on a player, who would it be? For me, you, you got a bit of Quade Cooper in you. So, the, the unpredictable stepping, the kicking. Who would you base it on?
1: So, um, I'm not going to copy in right now. But as a youngster, um, I really looked up to Quade. I know yeah. it was uh, obviously in, in the era of Dan Carter and yeah. Hunter Follard moving into the scenes. But since day one, I was a Quade Cooper fan. Um, yeah until I decided to rather stop following other big professional players and rather focusing on myself as a unit. Um so it's also a big personal thing for me is I don't really believe in the whole idea of an idol, uh yeah. of a hero. I really don't. Um and I'm putting it out there because I try to work on myself to to be that idol, to be that hero for someone. Yeah. So um but if I had to, yeah, to give a good answer, uh, yeah, I idolised Quaid Cooper as a youngster.
0: Oh, yeah, I think I got that's that spot fun. on. <laughs> yeah, <that's> spot on. <laughs> um, so do you want to talk a bit uh, outside of rugby? That's right.
1: Yeah, so basically, um, I think the most important thing that I've learned this year, especially starting a professional career in, in a sport that I love, is to find the balance between... Obviously, your days playing rugby and your your off days, your resting days trying to get your mind off the game yeah um, and I think that's also the biggest problem that I have at the moment is not finding that balance so at the moment where um we'd be training in the mornings twice in the mornings and once in the afternoons, I still have a lot of off time and yeah. I've been struggling to to enjoy myself off rugby or at the time when I'm not playing rugby at all because I'm so focused on what I need to do. I'm so focused on, okay, I'm in the game now. I'm in the real field now. Yeah. I need to start performing that I, I, I'm just going to exhaust myself. Yeah. Um, so, this is something that came from Coach Mike Fowles. That is my current coach yeah. at the Sharks. Um, yeah. So, basically, finding that balance, I think, is really important and it's something that I've been struggling with. And hopefully, the rest of guys who go through to, to play professional don't struggle with that. But, I've been working on it and um yeah, I've I've had a lot of talents as a youngster. Um I started off with designing. Um mm-hmm. so I'm actually a lot uh like I've got a lot of, of, of skills on the computer as well. Mm-hmm. I like designing, so there's a lot of digital design that I do, like doing logo de- designs and creation. I like the social media a lot. That's another yeah. passion of mine. And um yeah, I also play a lot of games. Um, I guess who who doesn't? There's yeah. a lot of games yeah. that I play PS4. Uh, yeah, no, I'm on PC so PC, so the desktop yeah. so Steam games is up there. But um I think just using all all these things just to keep me busy is also it's a it's a good good thing for me to get my mind off rugby.
0: Yeah, so uh so regarding distractions, so obviously if you focus on too much on the rugby you might tie yourself out. Uh, yeah. So you say, you mentioned PS, PC and designing is one of your distract, distraction techniques. But what I want to try and find out is what is your biggest achievement outside of rugby?
1: I think, obviously, I mean, it's not necessarily outside rugby. I think yeah. it's just, um, so with, with all the, the rugby stuff that happened already, there's a lot of people that's been contacting me to to ask for help to ask for motivation maybe people that's gone through shoulder operations knee operations and stuff like that that really struggles at the moment and I had the same same issue I had a shoulder op in 2017 and that was a big setback for me especially on my defense and I know what it feels like mentally and emotionally to get back to the to the place where you were and just knowing there's a bunch of people contacting me now and messaging me saying that I've truly helped them, truly motivated them to, to keep on pursuing their career in professional rugby or just getting, getting to professional rugby or just school rugby in general. I think that's a big thing for me. Um, and I really do see that as an achievement. It's obviously not, I've been top 10 academics for yeah. three years or something like that, but I think, being able to to make a difference in someone's life is a lot bigger than than being on the top 10 for academics I so so being able to to help a lot of people
0: would be one of my biggest achievements oh that's amazing sounds really really good mate uh so obviously you're a kicker for the sharks yeah. and pauhai uh just explain how um what is your range at the moment so I've obviously done a lot of kicking practice. probably yeah. kicked
1: thousands and thousands of thousands of balls as many players had. But at the moment on tape, on in a real life game, it was probably against Paul Ruiz. It was a fifty four meter kick, um a penalty from fifty four meters out. Um but I have slotted kicks further than that sixty and sixty three meters out in practice so far. So that's ridiculous. I mate. Know, I know I've got that range, but I still need to show that. <laughs> <one> yeah. <camera. laughs>
0: how many, Um. so how many attempts do you have like each training session? So for me, I practice at least 30 and then I think once I get to 30, I get a bit tired. Do you do the same or do you do longer?
1: So obviously when you start with your kicking and stuff, I, I tend to, to, to do a whole routine. Um, yeah. When I'm obviously training my kicking. Um, so Usually, it's between 100 and 150 every time I kick. When I was a bit younger, when I was still developing and doing my kicking, I had lots of time to to go do kicking practice. And my dad and myself, we both went out on Sundays usually. um, Sometimes even Fridays, whenever we get time in the week to go kick. So, it was almost three, four, five times a week that I went kicking. Um, And slowly but surely, as time passed, um, my training days went bit down so obviously yeah. from going four or five days maybe went to two three a week and now only one two times a week but it's not because I'm saying you don't need all that practice it's all the fundamentals and stuff already placed right now it's the basis the basis there it's been set and kicking is something that obviously you can compare to your muscle memory yeah um obviously as you know it's it's something that you, that's in the back of your head so Instead of going out and doing kicking every single day, um, as an older individual, that's just gonna burn you. It's gonna yeah. exhaust you and you're just gonna yeah, you're gonna burn out. Um, obviously combining that with all the normal training and stuff, it's also it's insane. So yeah. I think uh, if you, if you, I'm not sure how the grading system there works, but from grade one till grade seven, when you're still doing your primary school rugby, yeah, I would advise you to kick at least two, three times a week. If you yeah. want to get it to the top, two, three times I think would be perfect. But once you get a bit older, you can tone down on 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 the amounts of kicking you're doing per week. Um, I personally only kick once or twice. Yeah, I do only like one or two sessions a week now because it's already in my head i've been kicking for a long time and obviously as as time progresses you're going to start building the muscle memory and you won't be yeah you know, needing to kick so much yeah. so um, yeah just to answer your your question it's once or twice a week at the moment um and being more specific i try and do at least 100 to 150 um kicks per session yeah, so it's quite good
0: so do you practice along the 22 or when you practice, do you practice the harder kicks?
1: Um, yeah. So I try and, well, I believe actually that if, you, if you're going to go into a session, you need to make it as game-related as possible. Yeah. So I would start off with obviously a bunch of stretches. Yeah. Of the stretches, I'd go to the 22 in the middle of the poles, place at least 30 kicks, 40 kicks just to get my strike ready. Um, yeah. And I also won't do my full run-up. Uh, my full run-up is about four to five steps where I'd rather just do three steps um, yeah. just to focus um, on kicking out of my hips and just getting my strike through, getting loose and everything. And then I'll just kick all the balls around. I'll kick it. Some, some balls go to the 60-meter yard. Some goes to the 50 meters. Some goes to the 22. So I just kick them all around
0: and yeah. I practice games uh, yeah, game-related scenarios. That's very nice uh do you think uh do you think uh the type of boots you wear will affect your kicking
1: i do Uh, i really do so obviously as everyone knows adidas they have the control on most of their series of boots which obviously offers a little bit more grip i really do feel it makes a little bit of difference um and for some reason i don't know why but the series of shoes that or the collections that they release every year it doesn't feel the same to me although, although it's the same name and everything it doesn't feel the same yeah um so I do feel that your boot does make a difference, and I can even relate to some different sports, so usually um let's take squash, for example, if you play yeah. squash then as as a youngster, when I started off, my dad told me it's not going to be your racket that makes a difference; it's going to be you as a player. Yeah. And although I wanted a new racket and I really I enjoyed the squash, I, yeah. I when I when I got my new racket, I really yeah it got into me. I knew that the racket was making a difference. Although it's not necessarily the racket; it might yeah. just be the motivation you get from having the new racket. So, yeah. um. I really do believe it, the shoe does matter and um, especially Adidas grip. Um, I've been using it all my, my rugby oh. career so far yeah. since it came out. So, yes, I do believe it does.
0: Yes, yeah, I was about to ask you, Nike or Adidas? No, I'm an Adidas fan. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, so, for me, because the Adidas boots are, I've got quite wide feet. So, if I use the Adidas, I have to use the forward ones. So next year okay. I'm going to make the switch back to Nike, and yeah. I think um you know the grip on the on the side of the foot of the Nike shoes. Would you advise no. any young kickers to start kicking in them or start with the start with the boot they already own?
1: Yeah, I think I think just getting the fundamentals right at the beginning is more important than the outcome of your kick. Um yeah. So lately I've started a bunch of. Kicking workshops, and I've been doing training at some schools for some of the younger guys. Um, so at the moment, I'm doing Westville Boys eyes kicking in in Durban. So I'm, I'm running all the kicking right through from grade grade eight right through till matric. So if that, I think that can be a big, big, big thing that they need to understand is like don't focus on the outcome of your kick. And that's a big thing that I tell a lot of them is you shouldn't focus on where the ball goes. Yeah, let's try and get the fundal, the fundamentals and stuff right here. Whilst you're doing your kicking, um, don't even look where the ball goes. Let's let's get the process right. Let's get everything right first, and then we'll, yeah, then then we'll focus where the ball goes. Because if you do everything right here at the tee, the ball's gonna go where you want it to. And um, obviously, I know there's a lot of tog brands at the moment yeah. or brands that do togs, and um, I'd never say Adidas togs might be better than night togs yeah. because I necessarily, I don't have all the skills, I haven't had all the um, the togs and stuff for example yeah. um, to to test it out and to say rather Puma's new future togs might be better than Arida's control togs so
0: yeah.
1: um, I think first of all just trying to find the, 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 the shoe that, that fits best for you, obviously for example you maybe have bigger or wider feet than I do so Adidas shoes—it's not as comfortable for you as it is for me. Yeah. Um, but I think just trying to find the brand that really fits your your foot well, and then um, you're trying to see if they offer the grip option. I think that'll be a, be a good good guide to to work from.
0: Yeah, that, that sounds brilliant, mate. Sounds really good. Yeah. Um. So it. So obviously lockdowns uh, stopped a bit of rugby in South Africa. H- have you Have you got any plans? So obviously you're. What what age group are you? So, are you playing like under 18s? or So, at the moment, in South Africa,
1: they cut a lot of age
0: group rugby okay. um,
1: because of financial issues and stuff. So, they stopped um, are under a 19 tournament. Yeah. So, let's say you finish with matric now. You're done with school. You finished up. And um, you need to obviously continue rugby. And you sign at a club the professional yeah. club like the Sharks like the Stormers and the Bulls and so on um, if you go on and work yourself through the ranks you in the past you'd need to go through under 19 then under 20 and then under 21 yeah. and then you're only allowed to play the bigger ranks the Super Sport Challenge or the Super Super Rugby yeah. um, or the Curry Cup so that's how it used to work where at the moment we don't have under 19 and we also don't have under 20. We only have open league, which is basically all ages, that is super sport challenge. Yeah. Um, we have under 21, where that is a curry cup, so it's under 21 curry cup. Um, and then we've got super rugby. So there's basically only three leagues, if I can call it that, so yeah. that you can play it in. Um, and at the moment, um I'm playing in the Super Sport Challenge Squad. Um, so it's yeah, it's only Super Rugby and Super Sport Challenge at the moment. That's the only two teams that there are. Um, so yeah, that's just to give a quick brief on that. Yeah, it's brilliant. So I'm in super Sport Challenge.
0: Any chance we'll see you playing in Super Rugby soon? I hope so. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff I still
1: need to learn. Or, although there's a lot of people that might say Super Rugby, you need to play Super Rugby now. Yeah. I think as a as a player and. Getting into the system now you really you really get to know the the rest of the players and you really get to know the coaches and there's there's a lot of stuff in the system that you still need to understand and it it's different from all other like unions so for example at the sharks you you'll be able to to do these things like the game is obviously a bit different at the sharks than there's at the bulls or the stormers or whatever yeah. but I think there's there's a big learning curve going from primary school rugby to high school rugby yeah. as well as going from high school rugby to junior professional rugby and also going from junior professional rugby to super rugby or pro rugby. Yeah. Um, so I hope so. I really do. But I, at the same time, know there's still a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff that I need to learn, a yeah. um, bunch of learning curves I need to go through and learning blocks, but I've been able to do that, so um, yeah, I will continue to do that, so hopefully, keeping my fingers crossed.
0: Do you get nervous before Uh, games?
1: I do. Um, Obviously, some games a bit more than than others, so um, uh, if I know it's going to be a big derby, obviously, the stress and stuff, it's getting up there, but at the end of the day, I always find a way just to get rid of it, and either... Either way if I do or don't, if I don't, I try and see it as a positive. I try and see it as, as a pro. I try to use that to start off my game. I mean obviously as as a flyer of being able to start off a game doing with the kickoffs and stuff, yeah. It really does help. And I always something that I always tell myself is that that first tackle, once you do your first tackle, all the stress is gone. So yeah. You can hype yourself up before the game. You can listen to rock. You can listen to whatever you want. But as soon as you make that first hit, it's just another game of rugby. So yeah. there's actually no need to you know, worry about that.
0: Yeah. So for me, how I cut my nose is, so just before the game, because I like walking. So I live near my rugby club and I like walking to it. Yeah. So I do, I listen to like types of music and stuff. Is that, um, yeah. is that what you do? Do you listen to music going in into the ground?
1: definitely i oh, I'm someone I really enjoy the music um I really do, and before a game, I don't really believe in all the pre game meditating and all the pre game yes, 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 yes. i'm not I'm not into that um I do enjoy being with with my pals before the game I do enjoy listening to music um but there's not a certain routine that I follow before the game, so um if I can just, like, explain what usually happens on a game day for us. So, in South Africa, or I don't even know, if, obviously it's not happening at all the schools, but at the school, I was privileged to go to at Ball Boys. We have a whole program each morning that we follow before the game. So, um, if, let's say, for example, if you're not playing an away game, like, that's quite far away, and it's rather close, then we all have breakfast at our school's hostels in the morning Then we maybe all meet at eight or whatever. We'll have a nice breakfast there from there on. Whoever has like cars and stuff, they can all like lift their friends to the, obviously the field where we're playing at. Um, We listen to music. We have a chat. We have a laugh. Um, Some days we, maybe we go to like a coffee shop. All of us, we go to one of our sponsors, Vida Cafe. Um, we go to their their shop and the coaches. They get us all a coffee. We all just have a coffee together, have a chat. Um, so there's not necessarily the part where we get to the game. We all stressed up. No one knows that they need to do what they need to do. So everyone does what they want to. But I think having the opportunities in the mornings to to have a coffee with your 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 pal before playing a huge game. I think that really does make a difference in their performance. And I really, that's something that, that I'll never forget. Those are memories.
0: Yeah, yeah so speaking of pole high, has that changed you not only as a rugby, but as a person as well?
1: Definitely. So at, at my school, obviously, we've got a lot of traditions. There's a lot of things that, that they try and incorporate in us as human beings. And being a gentleman is our vision. Yeah. That is the school's vision. It has been the vision for almost 150 years now. And although I still believe that you can take a horse to the river, obviously, but you can't make it drink. Um, yeah. I do believe in that concept. And there's also a lot of guys obviously going through Paul Boys High, um, finishing school there, and they might not be the gentlemen the school hoped they would have been yeah. um, but I think the difference that the school makes and the amount of people that changed uh, because of the actions and stuff of the school really it's, it's immaculate and um, I really do believe that it made a massive
0: difference in the person that I am today and um, yeah it was a privilege going there. Brilliant. Um, do you go gym a lot uh, during, the, during game week or preparing for rugby? So I enjoy
1: the gym. Um, I really do. It's, it's also one of the ways that I get um, rid of some of my anger, my built-up yeah. stress and stuff. So um, I think the seed of my success is actually the anger that I turn into the training. So maybe it's not going well today um, at home or yeah. maybe it's, you've got girlfriend problems or maybe this or that or whatever the first thing that I turn to is exercising and training because yeah. it's a way, a way that opens up for me to get rid of all the anger and all the stress and stuff. So um, I think that is a big part of my life and that's the thing that really made me who I am today as well. Um, I enjoy the gym, but it's only in off seasons. I try and put as much as possible mass and weight um, as I can um, in off season, obviously, without losing too much speed. Yeah. Because with the conditioning and stuff during our school training and like during the weeks and obviously our prep for games, it is. Yeah, it's so so much running. It's a lot of running. It's actually I think it might obviously I can't say it's too much, but what yeah. I'm trying to say is it's it's real tough. The running really gets to you, and um, I think working your ass off in the off seasons obviously to put mass up and in any case just running it off in season it doesn't make sense but yeah. that is what, what what's going to make you the better team or the better teammate or the better player yeah um so to be more specific i do enjoy the gym um i try and gym a lot more off time um during season we train so hard uh, that I'm so exhausted after our trainings, and yeah like some mornings we we gym in any case, so I in any case get my gym in. Um But I do really recommend keeping on gymming during season. It, it's yeah. it's a good conditioning method for you.
0: That's brilliant. Sounds brilliant, mate. Um, so obviously, is is South African rugby more physical? Um, than it than the English rugby.
1: So, oh, it's different for me to to answer that. Question fully, but obviously being privileged to play in the SA Schools team last year, and obviously playing England um, in the final of the last game for us to win three out of three. Mm. I started off the game. Obviously, I had an injury in the like uh, I think almost 15 minutes into the game, so then I couldn't finish the rest of the game. But I, I can definitely say in that 15 minutes it was obviously it was very tough rugby. It's, yeah. It's it's real difficult for me to to compare physicality between levels. Let's say school level and professional rugby. Was obviously, professional rugby is a lot more different. But let's say um, maybe South African teams on school level um, than English teams on school level. I think at the end of the day, if you might be playing a school that's not that big in rugby, Obviously, physicality is not going to be as, as high. You're not going to be as high. Those guys might just play rugby because they have to, yeah. where you playing rugby because you want to. Yeah. So, um, it's real difficult to answer the question, but I'd say overall, um, if you play a team that you know is going to be up there in your face, it's a rugby school, they're yeah. all about rugby, it's got to be physical. Yeah. So I try and measure it as it's gonna be physical or it's not gonna be physical. Yeah. I don't really have the in between. Um but I'd I'd say when we played England they were a tough bunch they of work, didn't. so it really weren't too soft. Yeah. So
0: um yeah, it was it was real tough. Yeah, so obviously you just mentioned you played for Africa. What was it like getting the phone call that you was representing so your country?
1: It's it was absolutely insane. Um I'll never forget this moment. So, our eighth man at school, Gideon uh, van yeah, we both were still meeting up. We were having a chat for him to come over to my house and just having a ball, obviously, just chilling again and yeah. whatever. And we still, well, I still had to go to our estate's gate to go um, pick him up there or just to open a, a different gate for him. And, I was still driving there was still driving and then when I stopped I looked in my rear my rear view mirror um, and I saw him driving up and then suddenly he just stopped in the middle of the, of the road and I didn't understand why I've been I've waited like five more minutes just yeah. for him to get there and I, it was like in my rear view mirror it was like 30 meters away and I couldn't understand why and then I just saw him jumping up and down in the car. <laughs> it was going crazy. And he pulled up next to me and he's like, in Afrikaans, I'll like that now. He's like, oh, also respond for Mark. He's like, bro, we made the team. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was absolutely insane. I, and obviously, we had two teams. We had our SO Schools team and then we had our SO Schools A And the cherry on top was obviously two years after all the hard work and stuff that I made the SA schools team and not the SAA. Um, Although it's still a privilege to pray for the SAA, obviously you want to aim as high as possible and you want to make the best team. So yeah, it was absolutely insane. I think that's a memory that will stick forever. And being able to share
0: that with my best friend is insane. So uh, what was it like representing South Africa? So,
1: obviously, it was a big honour. I mean, being able to to represent your country was absolutely amazing. I mean, as a youngster, looking up to the Springboks and obviously looking what the, like what rituals and stuff they follow before the game and when they stand together and sing the national anthem, it was absolutely amazing being in that position and, like, as a child, trying to, to see out of the perspective that, that they do and now you, the person standing there looking at the cameras, singing your national anthem, it was insane. It was, um, actually quite tough. So when we had our SA schools camp, so we had a week before the whole uh, tournament where we already started training together and everything. And uh, in that week, it was quite rainy and it was cold. So it was actually terrible. Um, so I think the weather affected obviously um, the crowds as well during yeah. during the week of um, games, but we're still being able to to represent your country, knowing that there's people that that came all the way from different places just to come support you.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it's a that's a different feeling on its own. How many points have you got internationally? So I think I
1: was ranked second, um, the top points uh, for the international tournament. I think it was something like. In three games, I think 26 or 28. That's so ridiculous. it wasn't too bad. It was, it was quite okay. No yeah. tries, but a lot of penalties.
0: A lot of penalties. Do you kick for goal more than you kick to touch in uh, in games? Um, so
1: if you're talking specifically about your penalty kicks to the sideline or you're speaking about general play. So with penalties, um, obviously, it depends. Uh, that's a very, very difficult question to answer, and it doesn't have a, a normal answer like a yes, I do kick more to pose or not. Because it, it generally you'll look at the team you're playing. Um, obviously, if their lineouts and stuff if it's not that good, you would obviously try and push push the, yeah. the the touch kicking a bit more than the penalty kicking. But when when you're playing, for example, a game like when we played Belarus, um. We know they're good in their lineouts, and they've got a bunch of big locks and very good locks. So we'll try and obviously fade away from from the lineouts and stuff, or other kick to goal, um, and take the three, three points reset, and try and get an opportunity to take the three points again. So it really depends on your on
0: um, the team that you're playing on the day. Yeah, I agree. Um, do you mind if I talk about your early rugby life? No problem. I think that. Uh, is a, might be an interesting topic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so how old, how old were you when you started playing rugby? So I was actually privileged enough to be part of a
1: group um, called the, it was basically a high performance group in Pretoria. So I'm not originally from Cape Town. Um, I was born in Pretoria, basically with the Blue Bulls, um, yeah. where the Bull, Blue Bulls are based. And um, I went through all the blue bull structures before I came to Cape Town. So, as a youngster, um, I was training with um, a an uh, age group older than me. So, basically, when, when I was grade 11, um, the metrics of, of that year, I was practicing and doing all my training sessions with them. Yes. Um, I had a lot of external um, coaching. Obviously, I had my external kicking coach, Coach Louis Bosov. Um, yeah credits to him for for all the kicking because that's where it all started yeah um, that is uh, where the kicking was. I had coach Werner de Beer um, he's from the Blue Bulls um, rugby union and he did all my high performance as a youngster and um, like I said, I was doing all my training sessions with a, a age group older than me. so I think that's really where where um, maybe I, some some of my skills and stuff obviously evolved. A lot better than some different guys because of the, the, the fact that I'm obviously playing against bigger guys, yeah. better skills, quicker because they're a year older than me. So that was basically most of my junior days. Um, I think a lot, uh, obviously not a lot of people think about this, but I used to play a lot of touch rugby with yeah. um, guys a lot older than me. Um, basically, when when I was eight nine ten years old i was playing touch rugby with people in in our park that is 15 16 17 18 years already so so we've we've been playing playing touches for for a very long time and i think that already uh, also really played a big part in in my development of my skills
0: yeah man sounds great so you, you said you trained with uh the, uh the year above how how did you yeah. find it adapting to the physicality? So.
1: I think, obviously, I'm not sure how it is in England, but in South Africa, you only start playing tackle rugby when you in grade four. So, um, grade one, two, and three, you only play rip rugby. Um, yeah. The rugby where you need to, obviously, rip the the, the tags off, off the belt. Um, so, we play that until grade three. And then in grade four, you start doing tackling. Um, and I think, obviously... As a youngster being put into the system now, knowing that rugby is actually about tackling and everything um the contact i didn't really like it didn't sink in that the guys are actually bigger than they're supposed to be and they're actually quicker than they're supposed to be that uh, basically I think that that was a new norm for me yeah. um the speed and the size and the physicality that became my my average, if I can call it that yeah and um yeah, I think it was quite quite easy to adapt because that was my my like vision of rugby. That was my idea of rugby.
0: Yeah, that's, that was brilliant, mate. Uh, so for me, I think it's quite important to have a, a good relationship with your teammates and spend time with them outside of rugby. So do you have a good relationship with your teammates and do you spend time with with them outside of rugby? Yeah, I
1: think obviously if you're a team, I think the, the synergy is a very important part. And um, being able to, to trust your teammates is even a bigger part now. Um, I'm not going to be here uh, on this, this podcast trying to tell everyone, listen, you need to be best friends with every single team yeah. player um, because that's impossible. Um, I can tell you that straight. I've been in plenty of teams, um, obviously some provincial teams. Um, that's obviously a lot of different school guys from schools, uh, different schools coming together. And yeah. um, obviously playing for this provincial team now but there's always going to be that one guy that you just maybe don't like as much as as the rest, or maybe you think this guy is really snotty, or maybe he maybe plays his own game, he's an individual player, and at the end of the day, you have bad feelings towards him, but I think rather than trying to be friends with everyone and trying to have a good bond with each other, if it's possible, by all means, do that, but I guarantee you 99% of the time it's not going to be like that. So I think just accepting the fact that it's not necessarily to say that you have to have a great bond with them. You just need to respect each other. And I think the respect is a big part
0: um, of uh, you know, the final team success. Yeah. yeah. So do you think if you respect uh, one another as teammates, your team chemistry will be better? Definitely. I think... Um, there's a lot of different personalities in a team,
1: and obviously there's stereotypes um, as well. But um, everyone playing in that team, they've got their own personalities, and I think the teams that really stand out, like head and shoulders above the rest, are the teams that really respect each other. There's, there's the fact that they know this guy might might have this background, that guy might have a different background. This guy might have struggled as a as a junior, but you know what, look where he is now. I really don't like you, but let's just put that aside when you step on the field or on the training field. Let's just, you know, let's just hide that and do the best we can.
0: Yeah, man. That sounds great. Um, so what would you do if you weren't playing rugby? So it's actually a question that my girlfriend and
1: I actually talked about last night. Really? Um, and um, if I had the choice um of doing anything that I could and if it was even possible, I would have been someone um very let's say someone like Steve Owen. I really have a love for animals. Um, oh, yeah. but since a young age I'm watching Natural Geographic, I've been watching Animal Planet and yeah, I was a big idea when I was a young kid, but I think lifetime Time Evolved, obviously as a rugby player, you can't be out in the wild, busy yeah. showcasing animals, venomous creatures and stuff. But uh, I think that would have been quite cool for me. I think that would be an amazing job to do. And I think I really have a lot of respect for the people going out and looking and caring after all the animals.
0: Yeah, man, that's, that sounds amazing. i was quite surprised, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... You said you played for South Africa. How did you deal with your nerves when playing for your country? Because it is quite a big step up from normal club rugby.
1: Definitely. So it's
0: a lot different. I can guarantee you that. Obviously, you know,
1: you playing the best of another country's players. Um, and, I mean, it's the same concept as playing... Um, school rugby for me what was and I, I tried to follow the same mental space as I did when I was playing um, school rugby or even just provincial rugby it's just another game of rugby I mean obviously it's a, a lot higher, the level of physicality is a lot tougher, the game will be a lot quicker but you need to try and adapt as quick as possible and just realising that the guy opposite you in the same number jersey has exactly the same stress yeah obviously when when you're on the field you worried about okay but that's not playing for my country now I need to perform it needs to be great we need to do this and that but I think just focusing on what you need to do as a player and what your role is in the team just trying to to go through that whole process before the game will really help calm your nerves um and also just realizing that it's just another game of rugby and the guy opposite you have they have exactly the same stress as you have at the moment.
0: Yeah. That sounds sounds really, really good, mate. Um so have you ever lost a massive game and if so, how did you deal with it?
1: Yeah, that's a tough one. So obviously in Ball Boy's Eye there is probably I think the only thing that, that you want to do as a rugby player, you want to win your inter-schools game. So, yeah. inter-schools is when Paul Boys Eye plays Paul Gymnasium. Um, so, it's basically two the two top schools um, in Paul. So, they play out against each other on a neutral um, field called Forest Street. Yeah. So, Forest Street Stadium is where we play and it's a massive occasion. It is At the moment, it's the biggest schoolboy rugby game mm-hmm. in the world. Wow. Um there's over twenty to uh well it's between twenty and thirty thousand people that come and watch the game. So That's it is amazing. absolutely insane. It's 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 almost bigger than some of the super rugby games at the moment. So and Interschools has been a tradition for long time now. I think it's it's almost well, it's more than a hundred years of tradition already. Um playing and it's usually in August, so it's usually around the 5th to the 8th of August um, and the two schools versus each other and that's the biggest game in the world at the moment on schoolboy level and last year unfortunately we didn't make the cut we lost with a point Um, the last kick of the game uh, was missed Um, but it wasn't myself and it's neither the the kicker's fault Um, I was injured so I had to go off so I couldn't take the last kick And our replacement kicker had to take the kick. Um, But no one, and I stand behind him 100%. No one in this world can blame him for losing that game. Because it wasn't his fault. We had 10,000 other opportunities where we could have won that game and where where differences could have been made to have a, a better outcome. And at the end of the day, it's a tough. It's not an easy pill to swallow, but yeah, um, we lost that game with a point, and um, I think think that is a yeah. You know, that was probably the worst loss that I've had in my life, mm-hmm. um, and I think obviously just being more specific on your question, coping with that. Um, it's obviously it's easy to say it's just another game. Obviously, if I've lost a bunch of games in my life, um, and this is just another loss. But although that's well, as true as that is, it's also true that, that it meant a lot to us. Um, obviously, as a school, it's insane. We have a cheering week a week before um, the inter-school start. Everyone goes mad. There's the whole of pole. Um Everyone goes out and, like, put puts ornaments and stuff all over town. The one half of the out town is, is made up of our colors. So, it's blue and white and darker blue. Where, where the other part of Paul is um, green, red, and, and yeah. yellow. So it's basically Paul is divided into two parts. And at the end of the day, it's it's who's the best. Yeah. So um, obviously it's not easy losing that. And knowing that you basically let down a lot of people isn't easy. Yeah. Um, but I try to stay motivated by telling myself that the time will pass. Um, obviously it's not good now and it's not a nice time now. but um, the sun will rise up. It will come up again, and it will go down again. And you lose some, and you win some. But I think just being able to review that game and knowing what mistakes you made and what opportunities you lost is is a big, big um, yeah, learning block for us as players.
0: Yeah. So for me, it's, it's, if I lose a big game, it's the game the the next game is the most important game for me because you need to bounce back harder. Exactly. How did you uh, How did you do the next game? Did you uh, Did you bounce back? So, actually, I'd say I did bounce back because
1: that was the first game of SS Schools. Yeah. And we went unbeaten in that series. So, um, inter-schools is basically your last game of the year. So, that's yeah. why it's also a very important like, game for you as a person, as a human being, and as a ball-boys or all-ball gymnasium scholar. Um, It is basically your last game of your season. So, if you're in your matric year and you're in your final year, basically, and you're playing your last schoolboy rugby game with your teammates. It's insane losing that, but it's also insane winning that. And like I said, some you win, some you lose. um, I think obviously some of the guys were more privileged than others having the opportunity to play their schools after um, the the inter-schools. So they still have a little bit of hope left because I know it's not their last schoolboy game yeah but it's still just as sad to lose that game as it was for for any other guy on your team yeah man
0: oh that sounds uh so heartbreaking yeah quite yeah if you had to pick three moments but so your best moments of your rugby career so far, what would they be
1: okay so um if i had to to choose three, obviously there's plenty there's hundreds of hundreds but I think the three top ones, um, obviously working from the latest to, to the furthest back, would probably have been um, number one, being selected for the SA Schools team. I think yeah. that was the peak performance so far, the peak peak memory for me. Um, obviously getting that final recognition, the final being able to be part of the final squad of, of players of South Africa schools was insane. So that's definitely number one. Um, number two would have been uh, my first inter schools for Paul Boys Eye. Um, being able to put up a record score against the the team we played um, was a huge, huge thing for me. And then finally, uh, being able to represent the Blue Bulls um, in my first provincial tournament um, was also quite crazy. Uh, I mean, obviously, I've had the love of rugby for. For all these years as a youngster, yeah. and now I finally get a bit of recognition, um, yeah, for, for all the hard work that I've done. I think that was really a big, big thing in my uh, my career so
0: far. Brilliant, mate. So I got so this is the penultimate question: uh, How important is it to to goal set as a rugby player? Yo,
1: I really think that is that is one of the top priorities as a player. Um, I used to do it a lot, um and I can also look back to some of the years that I didn't put out any goals and Now, looking back at it, obviously knowing what the results are, I know that it made a difference um, and a lot of times before season, I go out and I put a bunch of obviously I put out a bunch of goals for myself, and I kind of forget about it until I find the same paper that I wrote it on, or I look back in my phone at the notes where I put it on. Um, and I look back, and I only score myself then. But yeah. although I did the, the the well, I made the effort to to put out all the goals and stuff before season. I think just just being able to visualize what you're trying to to obviously the goals and stuff that you would like to tick um, during your season is is an important part. I mean, visualizing the whole season before it even start that I think. I think that'll just help with your confidence and, yeah. and just for yourself, knowing what to do. And I think, yeah, I really think that it, uh, it affects you as a player and I'd really recommend that to anyone.
0: Yeah, so w- would you suggest aiming, so taking a goal as high as you can? So would you suggest setting a goal of playing for South Africa at the very top at a young age? So I think that's a dream um, that a lot of players
1: do have and yeah. a goal that a bunch of players would be setting. Um, But at the same time, I think you need to be very realistic um, about the goals you're setting. Obviously, it's one thing saying, "Okay, I want to play ESO schools. And then the next day you're in a bar, busy drinking with your pals. I mean, if you know that you are going to put out a bunch of goals and you know that, listen, you want to be the top, top player in your position, you want to make this team, that team, this team. I think you need to be realistic with yourself. I think this is a one place where you don't need to impress anyone. You don't need to put things on paper now for anyone else to see. This is for yourself and this is something you need to do by yourself. So I think just being realistic with those answers. So, I mean, obviously you need to aim as high as possible. And uh, there's a quote, obviously it's saying that, aim for the moon, even if you miss, you'll still uh, land upon the stars. And yeah, it is true. Obviously, if you're going to put out your goals for yourself to play SS schools and you're going to work your ass off to get there, and at the end of the day, you don't make SS schools. yeah, You might have been able to make provincial team. Yeah. All the steps before your SS schools team, you might have ticked except that one. So it's still a huge success because you made all of those. Um, you ticked all of the boxes before that. But um, I think just being realistic, if you are realistic, about um, the goals you're setting, you can aim as high as you want. Yeah,
0: yeah, right. That sounds really good. So the final question, maybe the most important question, what is your cheat day meal? <laughs> My cheat day meal. Um, so I don't really follow a strict, strict, strict eating
1: diet. Yeah. So for some reason, I feel I'm quite special because I, uh, I can actually eat what I want yeah. Um, I, not that I do. Um, I try and eat as out there as possible. And the meals that I have at home is quite quite balanced. Um, but I think if I had to choose one meal um, for a cheat day, it would be a Big Mac meal from McDonald's. Oh, 100%, that's mate.
0: On top. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Oh, Definitely. mate. So uh, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, see you soon. Yeah,